Hi everyone, my name is Dr. Dolores Tarver. I am a licensed psychologist here in Georgia and it is time for the tea. Tea Time with Dr. Tarver was created as an opportunity to allow people to learn additional skills that will help you on your wellness journey. It is not intended to be a substitute for a relationship with a licensed mental health professional. So it is May and here in May we celebrate Mental Health Awareness Month. This is one of the months I look forward to throughout the year because it is really an opportunity where not only us mental health professionals focus on mental health, but other people bring some awareness as well. And we know that awareness is one of our best defenses against being able to deal with the difficulties that we have in our lives. So I'm going to be doing a four part series this month and it will be focusing on mental health and families, mental health in our work environments, mental health and spirituality and mental health in dating. So we're going to kick off today discussing mental health in families, the ties that bind. So I was again really excited about this series and trying to figure out what I wanted to cover and there were so many things so I'm going to try to make sure I stay on track. I've got my my notes here. One of the things that I really want to look at whenever I'm talking about mental health is to make sure that I also focus on mental wellness and not just mental illness. And a lot of times we don't think about wellness when it comes to mental health, but that's just as important part of being able to be preventable in terms of how chronic something could be in your life and how well you're able to manage it. So wellness is something that we're going to focus on today as well. Um, so what I want to start with first is give you just kind of some working definitions for this series. And so when we talk about mental illness, what we mean by that is that mental illness can affect us emotionally. It can affect us behaviorally. It can affect us uh, physically, mentally. And what it does is it can interfere with how we engage socially, how we function in our work environments, just us being able to do daily activities. And it also affects just how we think about things and how we perceive things. And we know that our thoughts affect our behaviors. And so when we're thinking about mental illness, we want to make sure that we're not using the labels and using mental illness as what we often characterize as somebody's character as opposed to an actual illness. So just because you have mood swings doesn't mean you're bipolar. And we often talk about the weather and how it changes and we say it's schizophrenic. So those will be examples of labels. When we're talking about mental illness, we refer to a person who has a mental illness. That person is not their mental illness. They have a lot of different aspects of themselves. Having a mental illness can just be one aspect of them. We do not utilize the terms crazy or stupid. We no longer actually utilize the terms retarded or slow. And so we want to make sure that we're removing those things from our vocabulary, particularly when we begin to talk to children about mental health, which I'm going to go into here in a minute. And we also want to make sure that when we are talking, that we describe people in ways that are affirming. Right. So a lot of times we are so negative when we talk about illnesses. And so we we forget that there is a person underneath this illness. And so we want to be affirming in our language and we'll get into that as well. So let's kind of kick it off talking about mental health and our children. 
So if you have a family member that has a mental illness or you have a child that has been diagnosed with a mental health disorder, then it is really important when you're talking to children about it that you very much are aware of their age level and what would be appropriate to discuss with them. Now, according to the National Institute of Mental Health, about 25% of adults 18 and older and 13% of children 8 to 15 are diagnosed with a mental health disorder each year. So we're talking about a good percentage of the population. So the likelihood is that you or someone you know is going to be diagnosed with a mental health disorder. And I am aware that a lot of people have symptoms and they are not diagnosed, but we're going to talk as if people have been um, diagnosed. So what we know about mental disorders is that they come from a lot of different places. So there can be situational factors that create this mental illness. There can be environmental factors, how we grow up, how we learn, how we're shaped, trauma that happens in our lives, if we had abuse happen in our lives, but also genetic, biologically, we pass things down. And when you have family members, uh, especially first degree biological family members that have been diagnosed with a mental health disorder, there is an increased chance that you also will be diagnosed with a mental health disorder. And we particularly know that to be true with our substance abuse disorders, as well as our bipolar, our depression, um, ADHD, schizophrenia, those kind of things. And so it's really important for our children to have an understanding of mental illness, because if we have something in our family, there is a likelihood that they may be diagnosed. And so if we normalize the process with our children of talking about mental health, when something happens, they'll know what to do. They'll know to come talk to us about it and not suffer silently and we'll be able to intervene early because we know the earlier we intervene, often the better our prognosis. So people often ask me, when can I start talking to my children about mental health? And I will tell you, as soon as they're preschool age, it is appropriate. Now, three or four, we do know they are very concrete in their thinking at that age. We also know that they are very self focused at that age. And so we want to be appropriate when talking to them. We don't want to use a lot of language that they wouldn't understand and be very detailed. With smaller kids, we want to know that less is actually more. So we want to be able to give them kind of brief things that are digestible to them. Now you can pay attention to your children. They will let you know if they are confused or afraid or uncomfortable. And at that point, you might want to back up. You might want to back up and restate something or state it in a different way. Or you may want to say, hey, we can talk about this later and do some soothing activities. We do not want to overwhelm our children. So we want to make sure that when we're talking to them that they are able to handle it. Watch their bodies. Their bodies are going to communicate. And we want to talk about, again, mental wellness when we talk to our children. The importance of sleep, the importance of eating healthy foods, fruits and vegetables, the importance of water in their lives in terms of how it allows their bodies to function more optimally because we know when our children don't get enough sleep, they tend to be what? Cranky and irritable. And so if we talk to them about why sleep is important, it lays a foundation for them. And so that can help with that consistency of bedtime. We also want to talk to them about their hygiene. One of the things that can happen when individuals are struggling with mental illness is that they do not really have motivation to do much. And so they often neglect their hygiene. And so when we talk to our children, we want to include hygiene in their wellness because we also know that if you don't take good care of your hygiene, particularly your dental health, that can also affect your mental health. We want to talk to them about emotional expression and regulation, and we can help them. It is so important 
for us to do things with our children, model for them, not just tell them, do as I say, not as I do, but do it with them so they can understand yoga and deep breathing and meditation and mindfulness and learning where they hold emotions in their bodies. Kids are often very anxious, particularly around something happen to, happening to their family members that they love. So they can be really, really clingy when they're, especially at night, when they're concerned about, hey, could something happen? So if we walk them through sleep hygiene, talking to them about how to calm themselves before they go to bed, what are some things we need to do? Turn off those electronics at least an hour before bed. Do some yoga meditation before you go to bed to relax you. Have this, this stuffed animal that may be your transitional object or your blanket or something that soothes you. So when you do feel scared, you have some things that you can do to be able to assist you. And then we have, we have books that can be very helpful. Kids like picture books. So you can talk to them about what it's like to be sad or angry right? Or if somebody hurts their feelings. So these are the types of things that would be appropriate for that age group. When they get to be about five to nine, then you're able to talk to them a little bit more because that's when they're in that why stage, right? They start asking you a lot of questions about why people are engaging in particular behaviors. Why is that person not engaging in their hygiene? Why are we all wearing shorts and this person has on coats and they're hiding and they look like they're they're nervous so you can begin to talk more with them about it but they're also paying attention to our habits as well um, our drinking behaviors our smoking behaviors and we frequently get frustrated with our children and tell them to mind their business but we really need to talk to them about what these things are how they are used what happens when they're overused um, and talking to them about how to help people if they see people in distress or what to do when they are in distress. This is also the age where kids can really get a good wellness plan in place for themselves. So you can talk to them about how to have healthy friendships and how to do things that engage their creativity and how to learn about money. These are all financial wellness, environmental wellness, social wellness. These are things that you can start early. Wouldn't it have been really nice to have learned some of these things before you got to be 30 and 40 years old? So imagine if we arm our children early on with how to cope, how to regulate their emotions. But this is also the age where kids can really start to become responsible for their family members, especially if they're the oldest in the family or if there is people in our people in the family that have mental health concerns. I don't want to be the kid that's causing more trouble. You're already having to deal so much with this other child. And so I kind of shrink out of the way so that you don't have to worry as much about me. They can also get into a lot of perfectionism tendencies during this age and thinking that, hey, you only love me if I'm doing things that you really like. And so if I mess up, then you're not going to love me anymore. And so they can get, uh, you can see a lot of those anxious behaviors come up, but also they can get really parentified and feel like they need to take care of you and be the one to be able to help with everything in the family. And so it is so, so very important that we teach our kids to be kids, that we do age appropriate things with them, that we help them understand that their role is simply to develop into the awesome human beings they're going to be. And not that they're responsible for us as caregivers or any of their other siblings. But we also want to talk to children about, hey, if you are feeling overwhelmed or scared or nervous, you can come to me. A lot of times we, we can be busy and it's not intentional. I don't think 
any of us set out to be dismissive of how our children feel, but we can inadvertently be dismissive of them when they do try to come to us because they are still children. So it's not like they're going to sit down and have these very long drawn out conversations with us. Oh, I was being uh, very thoughtful about uh, how I'm feeling today. And I've noticed that I'm feeling a bit anxious. That's not going to happen at that six to nine year old age, right? So we want to pay attention to them. Behavioral cues are really important still with that age group, seeing how they're engaging with their siblings, seeing if they're spending a lot of time in their room, on devices, those can be telltale signs if they're changing, how they're looking, um, if you notice mood swings, that kind of stuff. So that is also an opening for you to be able to bring up and talk to them as well. And you want to be able to utilize a variety of support services. I'm going to give you at the end of this podcast some websites that you can go to. But there are some great books out there to talk to kids about all of their feelings, all of their emotions on YouTube. There are some great resources to help kids walk through yoga and being able to calm themselves down. Uh, and we also want to talk to our children, and this is when it's a good time to teach them how to use their voices, to teach them about body boundaries. So they're learning how to navigate in this world as well. Now, our preteens and teens, of course, now you're in a whole different ball game. They're very much able to understand a lot more information. However, now they are going to friends to get information. And so it is very, very likely that they have some misinformation at this point about mental health, about wellness, about what's important in terms of their development. Now, what we want to do is we want to have an open discussion with our kids, not a lecture. None of us likes to be lectured to. Most of you probably already start checking out in this podcast after a few minutes. But we want to make sure that our children are able to have a conversation, a safe space to be able to dialogue with us and be mindful that whatever you have experienced in your own life is going to show up as you're raising your children. So if you have embarrassment, if you have shame, if you have trauma, if you have anxiety, if you have depression, if you've had negative experiences with people, they are going to show up. And so we really have to be mindful of what we may be communicating to our children, even if it's not verbally, that they're picking up on. So if they have had any kind of negative experience themselves, then they're going to be less likely to talk to us. And this is where, where environment is really important in terms of shaping our kids and our mental, uh, in their mental wellness. If you have avoidance-based coping, your kids are gonna pick up avoidance-based coping. If you set up conditional love requirements, your kids are only gonna feel like you love them if they meet those requirements. They can also end up getting in phases of a lack of motivation, feeling like they're gonna be a failure. If we withhold attention from them, withhold food, right? The abuse kind of things come in. This is gonna show up in their relationships with other people. And unfortunately, we see a lot of kids who are very, become very resentful and entitled during those preteen teen years because of how we've molded them. So we wanna normalize for them wellness, but it's actually very important that we also understand not only mental health and awareness, but we know the law. Sometimes we end up inadvertently being abusive to our kids. We expose our kids to things, um, sexualized behaviors. And again, we're not coming from a malicious place, but there comes to be a certain age where our children don't need to see us walking around naked. There comes to be a certain age where our children don't need to be taking baths with other people, right? That's when they're needing to learn about their bodies and their boundaries. And they don't need to see us having sex. Uh, and they don't need to be exposed to sexual things. And so oftentimes we're not recognizing what they're hearing, what they're seeing, what they're picking up from our conversations. Cause you know, our children are listening as we call it ear hustling. And so they're picking up things. And so we have to be so careful about what 
we're sharing in that environment. And now I don't want you all to go and feel guilty if you have inadvertently done some things, but here's a good opportunity to really check and see like, hey, what messages may I be sending to my children that I may be unaware of? So what happens then when we do see mental health um, show up in our families? Well, one of the things that I think is very common is that we often do not want to have this experience happen. Like who wants to be dealing with mental illness? Not the person that has it, not the family members, because we know that illness doesn't just affect the person, it affects the family. So especially if it's one of your children, you start to feel really guilty. What did I do? Did I pass something on to them? Did I mess them up? We internalize a lot of that. Um, if it's an older child, I've um, recognized when kids are college age and they go off to school, that may be their first incidence of unfortunately psychotic behavior. So if they have a bipolar disorder or schizophrenia that's developing, often we'll see that as they get ready to transition into college and they may, may have a psychotic break when they're at school. They had been perfectly fine up until then. And you're like, what is going on? Or they have their first panic attack or their depression um, rears his ugly head. And so we're struggling trying to figure out what is going on. Why is this happening? Am I being punished? Did I do something? And so sometimes our first inclination is to be just dismissive of it, hoping that it's a one-time event and it won't happen again. And like, okay, well, let's just um, get you home and you'll be fine. And then we figure out that that's not the case. And this is going to end up being something long-term and not short-term. And, and we really, really can struggle with that. And so we try to try to find ways to go back to what life was like before this person got this diagnosis. And the reality is we cannot go back. We have to deal with who this person is and rem remember they are not their illness. They're still this person that you love very much, your child, your sibling, your, your parents, your uncle, your aunt, your grandparents, whoever it may be, they're still those people. And they also are dealing with this mental health challenge. So once we get through that whole internalizing, we often go to this point of now we're being protective. So we don't want people to know what's going on with them. We try to keep that within the family. You all have heard before what happens in the family stays in the family. And we particularly do this with mental illness. And we end up sometimes just kind of hiding this person away from the world. And what happens, they feel very isolated and disconnected. They are now internalizing shame. They feel bad whatever their hopes and dreams were that they may not have been able to achieve or definitely maybe not in the way that they intended. They're grieving the loss of that. And now they feel like they're a burden and now they feel like something's wrong with them and they're odd and nobody really wants to engage with them because now all of a sudden everything that used to happen has stopped. We're no longer having people over to the house. We're no longer going out and going to dinner. We're no longer um, having family trips, right? And so their whole world has changed. And just think about how tough that may be. And we often have a misunderstanding and misperception about illness. And we can be very scared when you hear the term schizophrenia, like that really brings up a lot of fear in people because they're thinking, are you dangerous? Are you going to hurt me? What are you thinking? What's happening? What, what is your behavior going to be when we are dealing with children? Sometimes when they have spectrum disorders and they're having a hard time regulating emotionally, they get out and there's outbursts that they may have. They may get frustrated. And so we're concerned about what are they going to do in this restaurant? How are people going to look at us? I don't want anybody looking at my child in this very um, awful, pitiful way. And I also don't want anything to happen to my child. What if somebody doesn't recognize that my child has this illness and they, they try to harm them because they think they're a threat. And so we're thinking about all of these things. And so... We're, we're pulling back. We're, we're trying to navigate this. And, and meanwhile, the person who has the illness is caught 
in all of the midst of that. We don't know how to engage with them a lot of times, um, especially if there is a significant change following the expression of, of, of mental illness. So let's say a person does become psychotic. I don't know what to do with you now. I don't know how to talk to you. Am I gonna trigger you? Are you gonna be okay? What, what's my role now? And, and so we're changing our behavior. We're, we're not really understanding the dynamics. We're exhausted. Um, we're, we're burned out. Caregiving can be very, very stressful, especially when you have someone who has a significant, um, severe, persistent chronic illness. And so there's this constant, maybe in and out of doctor's offices, trying to get medication regulated or hospitalization, or they're walking away from, from treatment or they're, um, at the house and they become aggressive and you're trying to call people to figure out what you can do to get them. and folks are saying well we can't get involved they say they're not a threat to themselves or to others and they really haven't done anything they're just kind of posturing so you feel just so helpless about what am i supposed to do with this you're grieving because you no longer have this person in the same way that you did and it, and it can become just absolutely overwhelming for you and for them and we're gonna we're gonna talk about how to manage um, some of those things. 